Hello, this is Josh Gondelman. No, I'm sorry, I'm Josh Gondelman, and this is Make My Day, a comedy game show. The world is a stressful place to be, so every week I try to make it a little nicer for about half an hour. I play a game with one guest who is guaranteed to win because they're the only contestant. Throughout the game we play, I will assign them points based on how much their answers cheer me up. The winner, at the end and only contestant, wins a $100 grand prize donation to the charity or aid cause of their choice, and we both give pep talks to a person or group of our choosing because this isn't all about me, it's just mostly about me. My guest today is one of the hosts of the wonderful and beloved NPR podcast, Pop Culture Happy Hour, and the author of the delightful novel, Every Drake Starts Over, which is available now and makes a great gift for any gift-giving occasion. Welcome to the show, Linda Holmes. Oh, thank you, Josh. I'm so excited to be here. I'm, I'm so excited that you are here. How, how are you? I mean, I, I think I'm, uh, I'm adequate. I think I have been taking the position since the beginning of pandemic isolation that under the best of circumstances, uh, a lot of us are vacillating right now between like a B minus and a C plus. Mm-hmm. And today I'm, a, I'm like a B minus, so it's okay. Hey, it's not that's bad. pretty good. It's not bad. Yeah. It's, to, it's top, of the, top of the range right now. <laughs> yeah, we've we've scaled. When I grew up in New England, where all the mountains are very small. Like you right. can, there are mountains, but they're you know Mount, Mount Washington and- is the yeah. It's like you go up, climb up four thousand feet, and there's still like trees and arby's and stuff at the top of the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> but you still climbed, you climbed the mountain that there is. <laughs> exactly. You got as high as you could possibly get in that uh, neighborhood. So this episode is going to come out right at the end of the year. Is there anything that you're like looking forward to, to leaving behind or like setting your sights on in 2021? Well, I think I'm hoping that 2021 will be a year where even though I expect a lot of it will still be uh, involved isolation and great care and masks and all those things that we need. I am hoping that sometime during 2021, I will get hugs again. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that and that I will be able to venture more often outside my house Ooh. without holding my breath, which is, is you know, typically how I encounter strangers now. You got to just hold your breath and wave. Yeah, right. It feels like some kind of like superstition, like you lift your feet up when you go over train tracks in a car or something. Right, exactly. And if and if you if you hold your breath when you pass the stranger, then mm-hmm. you won't get sick. It's really it's not my healthy. strongest scientific. It's not my strongest scientific theory. I feel like I've heard worse theories this year. <laughs> I think you've heard many worse theories this year. I'm pretty. I'm not gonna lie. I'm pretty proud of it relative to the <laughs> yeah, relative to the universe. I'm pretty proud of holding my breath. I feel like I grade this like a Fauci minus. Yeah, that's totally true. I think I'm gonna call him up and see if I can get that in the see get get that in the next manual. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dr. Tony, what if we held our breath when we <laughs> walked past strangers? How long do you think if we all worked on how long we can hold our breath? Could I go back to the office if we all held our breath one at a time? You know, because mm-hmm. you could hold your breath. In and turn, then someone else breathes and holds theirs. It's kind of like uh, for people who play the flute, how they learn circular breathing so mm-hmm. that they don't have to take a big giant breath in the middle of playing. This is a really good idea. I feel like Kenny G is hearing this and being like, I could have been out there this whole time. <laughs> I, this is this is a piece of cake for me. for this my whole life. Kenny G for get out of the house. I'm, <laughs> I'm going out of the town. <laughs> Perfect. Well, let's play our game today. Today's game is called Glad to the Bone. Linda, on Pop Culture Happy Hour, you and your co-hosts often ask the question of one another, what's making you happy this week? 
Right now, I'm going to ask you about some specific and picky things that make you happy at specific junctures or times or occasions. And as always, I will award you points based on your answers, creativity, accuracy, and how much they delight me specifically. Linda Holmes, are you ready to play Glad to the Bone? I was born ready to play Glad to the Bone. This is perfect. First question. What song or artist are you always happy to hear on the radio or like a streaming service or whatever, even though you wouldn't necessarily put them on yourself or put that song on yourself? I learned this a couple of years ago about myself, that the answer to this question is Freedom 90 by George Michael. Yeah. The only thing that I regret about that answer is I should just be playing Freedom 90 myself. It should not be the answer to even though you don't put it on yourself. I should be playing it myself. But I often (laughs) don't really. But every time it comes on, if it comes on something that has like a replay button, I have to play it at least like three or four times. I find I can't, you can't only listen to it once because I always imagine it has an amazing video that I thought was really cool and kind of at the time kind of edgy with all these supermodels. But it's also just a great song. It has a super interesting kind of syncopated rhythm. It has a lot of, like, it just, like, kicks a lot of butt. And I every time I hear that song, I just think, oh, I love this song so much. And I, it, uh, unfortunately, as you all know, he, he passed away a, a few years ago, and I wrote a whole, a whole essay about this song because it is so great. So there aren't that many songs that I, as a person who is not a music critic, would write an entire essay about them, wrote an entire essay about that one. That's a great answer. What do you think stops you from just throwing it on? First of all, I don't have the commute I used to have, so I don't Mm -hmm. sit around and listen to music as much as I should. Because a lot of the time, I listen to audiobooks or podcasts. I'm I'm one of those people. (laughs) A lot, yeah. A lot of my um, listening to music is sort of incidental. And it has to be spurred on by something as opposed to, I'm going to go put on a George Michael record or something like that. Mm-hmm. It has to just sort of come out of the ether. So I wait to like hear things in commercials or movies, and then I think, oh, I gotta go listen to that record because I loved that record. Got it. Well, that makes sense. So there, there's not much that you're just like, this is the record that I just put on when I when I finish the day and am eating dinner. You know that. It, so it takes prompting. It's true. It, it it does. I think I've just like I've stopped being as much of a music listener and become a little bit more of a of a speaking listener. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like being with people. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. I can't really imagine that I'm with a band. So I yeah. I have to just imagine that I'm with all my imaginary radio friends. Mm-hmm. I love this answer. This is really <laughs> great. A great song. I bet everyone who's listening to this podcast listens to that song within the next week. And I'll link to your um, to your essay about Freedom 90 in the show Thank notes. Thank you very much. This is, of course, oh, you're welcome. This is a 90-point answer for self-explanatory reasons. Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Next question. People love to get mad when things are rebooted, right? You they don't love say. to complain. <laughs> they love to talk about how their childhood is somehow ruined. They love to get mad that it's not going to be as good as the original. What is something it would make you happy to hear that there was going to be a reboot or a remake of? You know what I miss, Josh Gondelman? I miss the 80s and 90s run of television shows about a fella and a lady who solve crimes, or in some cases are spies. If they are spies, you have like your Scarecrow and Mrs. King, something like that. If they are solving mysteries, you have your Moonlighting or whatever. You don't want it to be anything that's too indelible. You want it to be something that feels kind of extensible and like you could update it. 
Uh, so I'm going to go with Remington Steel, <laughs> I think. Uh, and I think at some point there was muttering about a new Remington Steel. But I might be imagining that because I often imagine reboots in my head. But And they've rebooted similar things, right? Like Hawaii Five-0 has sure. been rebooted. And was there a Magnum P.I. or is that yes. just my imagination? No, yeah. there was a Magnum P.I. And they've did the MacGyver. Magnum P.I. MacGyver. MacGyver. There's nothing about this that is unrealistic or unreasonable. No. People still love glamorous hot people solving crimes. This is where we got to know Pierce Brosnan. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. all you have to do, I would prefer that it was not quite the same setup because, of course, in that show, uh, she was a competent lady detective who had to have the fake name of a dude to make her PI firm seem credible. Mm -hmm. So maybe... Something that's a little, you know, less dated, but um, but still, you got to get out there and have the glamorous, the glamorous people solve crime. They go to a hot party, and there's a crime there. There's gonna, there's like a an assassin at the party. Everybody wears exciting evening clothes. You get a little bit of that. You get a little bit of they have to go to some, they have to go to some resort and pretend to be a couple, and they're not really a couple, but they are a couple. Got to get back to these classic moments, Josh. I like that. I feel like so much of our crime now is just in, on television is just too gritty, where it's like they hit each of the <laughs> baby's fingers in a different county, and it's like, jeez, <laughs> do we true. have to? It's too gritty. Less gritty. More, more smooth. More smooth crime. Less gritty Less crime. Smooth crime. <laughs> <laughs> to bring it back to Kenny G, <laughs> just kind of a, a chill crime. Yeah. Less grits, more glitz. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The only grit I want. To see his sequence. <laughs> glitter, the grit of glamour. The grit of the grit of glamour is glitter. This is what I always say. This is a great answer. This answer is worth 70 points because 070 is an anagram of 007. We're bringing it back to Pierce. Right, Brosnan. agreed, agreed. Terrific answer. Remington Steel. Next question. What is a short phrase or like a sentence from something you've watched or read or listened to that you come back to a lot just because of how perfect it is? Just like a real nice word pebble that that, that you like to kind of tumble in your mind. To put it in the parlance of Donnie Darko, your cellar door. Mm-hmm. For anybody who follows me on Twitter, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to describe what I'm talking about because it's only one word. It's the word sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it comes from either the last or the second to last episode of Friends. I can't remember which. And Chandler and Monica were off buying a house off in the suburbs. And throughout the run of this 10-season show, Chandler had been sort of haunted by Janice, this woman that he had dated. And every time that uh, she would appear in his life, you would find this out usually by he would overhear her saying, oh, my God, the great Maggie Wheeler. So— in this second-to-last episode or last episode, they've bought this house, and they're talking. So their realtor, I think, is telling them, who might be Jane Lynch, is telling them about <laughs> the neighbor and that there are these lovely people who just moved in next door, and these people will be their neighbors at their beautiful new house. And uh, you overhear this voice say, oh, my God. <laughs> and there's this pause, long pause, Matthew Perry— cut out for this kind of comedy. Just Mm -hmm. takes this long beat, and then he just sort of nods a little bit, and he says, sure. Because (laughs) it's inevitable. It is is inevitable. It is is him saying, yes, this this is what would happen. Mm -hmm. This is exactly what would happen to me. And on Twitter, it happens all the time that I see something happening where I have that Chandler reaction, and I just want to go, 
sure. And I've I've struggled. I can't find the clip. I can't find the gif. So I try to just explain it, which makes it worse. Mm-hmm. But that's mine. Mine is No, I sh- love that. Sure. It it's so loaded with meaning mm-hmm. and and history. Mm-hmm. I think that's like a perfect one-word answer for this. This is a huge answer. This answer is worth 236 points, which is one point for each episode of the series, Friends. Oh, perfect. That's great. I, I love that. I love just like a great line reading, like a one-word line reading that's like kind of undercuts the literal meaning. I love um, in the Big Lebowski, Philip Seymour Hoffman just going, marvelous. <laughs> like, there are a lot like that. And the great thing is it's one of those things that binds you to all the other people who like the thing because they're the only yeah. people who know what on earth you're talking about mm-hmm. when you when you reference it. Because otherwise, what does it mean when you reference somebody saying marvelous or sure? Next question. Look, we're not supposed to find joy in material things. That's supposed to, well, that's commercialist, it's crass. But what else do we have sometimes? Mm-hmm. What is a purchase you've made in the last few months that brings you a lot of happiness? I would say I have outfitted my house with some some uh, Sonos speakers, not to, uh, not to buzz market Sonos speakers, but... Um, they have... Widely refuse to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> we are in a feud. I'm gonna bleep it out and then record myself being like Bose speakers <laughs> over you saying Sonos. So Sonos speakers are just like the, you know they are one of several brands of really like nice speakers that you can put in different rooms of your house. They allow me to have me, like look. Okay, I'm a I am a dork. I grew up. I was born in 1970, so I am an old person. To me, it is still really fun to have the to have music follow you all around your house. That to me is still a big deal. That's great. That does sound like anything that makes your life like, especially these days, a little more frictionless and a little more enjoyable is like so valuable. Yes, definitely. I've been just trying all the flavors of chips <laughs> at oh, my bodega. Oh, for sure, for sure. Flavors of chips that I wouldn't look at twice in other moments in history. What do you, what do you like? This is a little embarrassing. I've been going through, I like a chip with a crunch. My my preference is Cape Cod. Oh, sure. But they don't, you know, they don't have them. I'm out of the zone where Cape Cod chips are like fully saturated. Okay. So I've been going through the kettle chips, the v- various flavors. Sure. Because I feel like they get a nice crunch and they like got a that strong. Hard, yeah, you yeah. got that hard crunch. Hard crunch, strong, weird flavor. Mm-hmm. And so I, the one I've come back to a couple times recently where there's like a ranch chip, like not a cool ranch Dorito that's like a little, where it tries to be like spicy, I guess. Right. But this is just like the, the, essence of ranch dressing on a chip. And I don't feel proud of that, that mm-hmm. I like it very much. But I'll tell you what, I when I see it, I'm like, why am I going to try Parmesan garlic or whatever when I know it's just going to be, like, I just want to be blasted in the face with chip flavor. When I know essence of ranch is there waiting for me. <laughs> and I think the other thing about chips is that the chip, I find that the chip craving Mm-hmm. I don't have that often, but when I do, it's very specific and only a chip will do because the chip craving is not is not really met by anything besides a chip. No, I agree. I think like a cookie craving, there's a lot of things that are cookie adjacent. Yeah, but a chip is like, 
it's only it's only a chip. Yeah. A pretzel doesn't do it. Oh no. <laughs> Please no. Yeah. Get out of here with the pretzel. Get out of here, pretzel. Okay. <laughs> no. Even even the food scientists wouldn't say close enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even close enough for a food scientist. Like, this doesn't taste like chicken. And they're like, I have a PhD that says this tastes like chicken. All right, buddy. <laughs> it says so right here on the chart. <laughs> This is a great answer. This answer is worth 85 points. Oh, good. Yes. Next question. Oh, I think about these this one a lot. Which already successful person's fresh and new successes make you irrationally happy? Not just because you're like, oh, another album by this person that I'll get to hear, or like this person's in another movie that I'm sure I like, but because you're like rooting for them. I'm going to go... With And this is not a terribly original answer, but I'm going to go with Regina King, who I love in everything. Mm-hmm. And I think there aren't that many people, you know, one of my friends and I used to talk about who existed in the world who had a 100% approval rating. And it mm-hmm. was like Captain Sully. <laughs> and And I forget who the other person was. We thought there were two. And I think Regina King is another person who has a very close to, if not a 100% approval rating. Because how can you not love her, right? She's great in everything. She's been great in everything since she was a child actor. She is now not just acting brilliantly in things like Watchmen and The Leftovers and lots of other great things, but also uh, her first feature that she directed, um, which is called One Night in Miami, is coming out this year. She's really smart. She's really fun to watch. And she's also, I have been a fan of her. She played Cuba Gooding's wife in Jerry Maguire. And there's a speech that she gives about how she and her husband are going to run his career and make the money off of his career the way that they think is, is appropriate because they know how these things work. They know that he's supposed to get the sneaker deal and all that stuff. And ever since then, I've thought, well, she's just going to be the best thing in everything. And every time I see her do something new, something great, I just think she should have everything. She should have the ability to do whatever she wants because she's a genius. Yeah, she's amazing. And she won, she's won other Emmys as well, but she won for Watchmen, right? Mm Mm-hmm, yep. When you sort of saw her get a role like the role she had in Watchmen that just felt like a a once-in-a-generation kind of role to this once-in-a-generation actor, it just felt like it wasn't that she hadn't been in lots of things that were really good and lots of things in which she was really good, but it was like, oh, that was like this— to me, that was like this, oh, to just see the person get something that really, really shows off how good they are in all the best ways. It just was so satisfying to me and and so thrilling to see that show do well and her do well. Just, I loved that. That's wonderful. This is a- another great answer. 87 points for 1987, the year Watchmen came out as a single volume graphic novel that collected you know, shorter volumes. A perfect answer. Next question. What is, oh, this, I like, I'm very excited to hear your answer to this. What is one piece of pop culture trivia that you're always excited to share? I think I'm going to go with the fact that Stacey Abrams, former and and perhaps future gubernatorial candidate in in Georgia, as well as voting rights activist and all-around mover and shaker of the the world and the turnings of democracy, uh, wrote a lot of romance 
including a bunch that she did under the name Selena Montgomery. She has, I believe, a new novel coming out. It is very satisfying to me when people learn how many people write romance who have all kinds of different backgrounds and who have done all kinds of other interesting things. And she is, to me, somebody who's always been really, like, she's continued to really want to talk about her writing career. It's not as if she says, like, oh, I did that, but I don't talk about that. She also had, like, a viral tweet about Buffy and Spike and (laughs) Angel recently. (laughs) <clears throat> she's just somebody who I think really balances her her kind of pop culture and like super interesting high-end political thinking, balances those really well and just stays a really interesting figure. And I, yeah. I love that for anybody, when I find anybody who doesn't know that yet, I'm always so excited to tell them. It's great. I love that about her. I think she talked about it a, a little bit on Jesus and Marrow and mm-hmm. she came on too uh, in 2019. Imagine flipping Georgia's electoral votes blue and putting out a romance novel in the same year. It's like... Her time management must be off the charts. Yeah, she's she's definitely somebody who knows how to keep a to-do list, I think. I love this answer. This is a cool 100-point answer. Nice, excellent, yeah. thank you. I feel like, how can you not but give Stacey Abrams at least 100 points? Or give I'm giving you 100 points, but Absolutely. like, just for invoking her. Final question. Is there a restaurant or chain that you like avoid for whatever reason? You're like, I always feel a little gross after I eat it or like, I, this isn't, it's not good food, but you're happy to like have to eat it like at an airport or on a road trip or like a food item that you're like, I avoid McDonald's as a general rule, but if I have to have an Egg McMuffin, hey, my hands yeah. are tied. I mean, I feel like the cliched answer here is this is the Cinnabon, right? Like the, I feel like the, oh. the, the, the. The iconic answer here would be the Cinnabon. I think that's a great that's a great answer. And I think that's a fine answer, but it's too obvious. Okay. Because I'm not sure I would actually consume a Cinnabon even at the airport anymore. Because that's I don't think so. Either. How asleep can I afford to be? Right. Is the question. So I want to discuss my conflicted feelings about Jamba Juice. I Please. I love a Jamba Juice for like how sweet a Jamba Juice smoothie is. I enjoy it, but I also feel like it is so sweet and I feel Mm -hmm. like it is so expensive. There is part of me that just finds it very hard to seek out a Jamba Juice. But at Union Station in D.C., when I'm waiting for the train, across from where you wait for the train, there's Jamba Juice. And I'm going to say eight times out of (laughs) ten, back when I was taking more trains. I'm going to be over there picking up the Jamba Juice, which is which really just gets to the point where you feel like just, you're just having a giant thing of swirled sherbet. Yeah. Which is fine, but quite a way to start the day. But I do it anyway at Union Station only, pretty much. This is, this is a perfect answer. Jamba Juice is one of those things where it's like, 2002 healthy, where people are like, juice, right? And you're like, sure, there's fruit in it. And then as time went on, people were like, wait a minute, you're just, right, you're having sherbet for breakfast in a in a cup that's right. like the size of a human's thigh. Right. <laughs> like, exactly, exactly. I'll have a tankard of sherbet swirled please, in a blender. Like how much Gimli would drink of juice <laughs> for, in I will, Lord have of the a, I will have a tankard of sherbet for $12. Thank you very much. That <laughs> it's sounds so like expensive. a great breakfast. 
But it also, when you're at a place like an airport or a, a train station, it's like you can convince yourself that it is like the least personally destructive option. Absolutely. Yes, because it contains fruit. It contains fruit, right. It contains fruit, and, it, you know, you cannot get on a train without any fruit. So You need I'm just fruit eating, for the train. You just need fruit for the train, and mm-hmm. it's in the form of, of Jamba Juice. Of Jamba Juice. Excellent answer. This is an 80-point answer because of the 80% of the time at Union Station you get the Jamba Juice. Very good, very good. And that concludes our game of Glad to the Bone with your final score at 748 points, the highest all-time score in Make My Day history. How do you feel? I feel amazing. I feel like I feel like this is the best game show I've ever been on. I'm so glad you feel that way. This this is wonderful. Objectively, just by score, you're the greatest contestant this game show has ever known. I'm so thrilled. As this week's champion, you win the grand prize of a $100 donation to the charity or cause of your choice. Where will the money be going? I have given a lot of money during this pandemic, as I hope everyone has, to lots of worthy causes, including food banks and other things. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to indulge something slightly personal, which is that my mind has been very much this week with performers and performance spaces and people who rely on local performance spaces. I have a dear, dear friend who works with Improv Boston, um, where which gave up their physical theater related mm-hmm. to pandemic and things like that. I am really, really feeling in my bones the local arts and culture places that are struggling to try to rebuild at some point when things turn a little bit of a corner. So I think I'm going to dedicate it to to Improv Boston on this time, uh, this time around. That's great. Wonderful. I've, I've done a lot of work with them in, in the I past. Know. And I, yeah. And so this is really nice. And they'll, I'm sure they'll appreciate it. Finally, this week, our pep talks. Each of us will give a pep talk to a person or group that we think deserves it or needs it in this moment. I'll go first. My pep talk is for people making New Year's resolutions. If your goal was easy or intuitive, you wouldn't have made it a resolution in the first place. You'd just do it. So if and when your resolution lapses or pauses, it's not because you're bad or you're lazy. It's because difficult things take a few attempts sometimes. And just because you set your intention on January 1st doesn't mean that you'll magically stick the landing on your first attempt. And why do we do this in January anyway? It's such a bad time for being ambitious. For example, many people try to like start working out more during the time of year when I don't want to work out at all. I just want to mummify myself within layers of sweatsuits until I look like the Michelin man and am fully immobilized. We're setting ourselves up to fail. A resolution doesn't have to be binary. It can be a destination you work towards. And like when you're going to a physical destination, you don't believe it's impossible to reach just because you make a pit stop. You're not like, I had to pull over to pee and buy a disappointing Subway sandwich, and now I'll never make it home. No, you grit your teeth and you yell inside your car about how late you're gonna be, and then you get back on track. A resolution doesn't have to be something you do or you fail to do. It can be a process you start or even a value you keep in mind while you occasionally do something totally to the contrary of that value. So try to take it easy on yourself. But don't make that your resolution to take it easy on yourself because it'll probably end up with you beating up on yourself for not going easier on yourself, which defeats the purpose of the whole enterprise. Linda, I would love to hear your pep talk. Well, that was beautiful. Thank you. My pep talk is for people who live alone 
and love holidays. And by the time you hear this, some of these holidays will probably have passed or be passing. But I want to think about a way to move forward with celebrations or things that mean something to you and answer the broader question, is it worth doing it up for something if you live by yourself? And I'm going to propose that the answer is yes. Part of what you're trying to do when you decide to do up the holidays, whether it's decorate your house or make Christmas cookies or make Valentine's Day cookies or whatever, part of what you're doing, obviously, is connecting with other people. It's always nice to be able to decorate your house and then have people over. But it's also really important to maintain important benchmarks in your own life just for yourself. So if you get to the moment where you're like, you know what? We're in the kind of snowy situation where I would normally make some hot cider and have some people over. Don't be afraid to just have some hot cider. The fact that you have to do a certain number of things by yourself when we're all kind of isolated, you don't want to cut out everything that brings you any kind of joy at all. Josh and I talked about this a little bit, but when I spoke to people about what things were just kind of really hard for them during the pandemic that weren't disastrous, they were just difficult day to day. One of them was just all the things that didn't happen. It wasn't terrible things that did happen. A lot of it was just things they didn't get to do, that they missed. They missed being able to spend birthdays with people. They missed plans they had made. So sometimes, even if you're by yourself, make those plans for yourself. Make those plans and follow through on them, even if it's for the benefit of no one except you. Put something festive on your table, put something festive in your yard, wear a festive piece of clothing. It feels like a radical act when you do it because we're all kind of socialized to think that doing that is a little bit pathetic, but I am here to free you up from that because it is not, it is lovely and empowering. And so if you're by yourself and you are feeling celebratory, be celebratory. That's great. I love that so much. I think people will be so glad to hear it and will take real heart in that, especially like with New Year's coming up and I think like being one of the most around people days of the year. I think that's really great. Wear the silly little glasses that say 2021. Get the 2021 glasses. There's two, uh, no, there's only one zero, I guess, in 2021. So they'll do something. They always do something. They always do something. Glasses manufacturers, I can't flip and wait to see how you get this one done. I'm going to be like, they've done it again. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe they pulled this one out. I thought they were cooked. Thank you so much. And that's that's been our show. I'm Josh Gondelman. This has been Make My Day. Thank you to this week's champion, Linda Holmes. Linda, where can people find you and your work? You can find me on Twitter at Linda Holmes, and you can find me at NPR.org and on the podcast, Pop Culture Happy Hour. And my book, Evie Drake Starts Over, is available for purchase wherever you get your books. Heck yeah. And I'll, I'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes and on the social media. You can make a contribution to Improv Boston to support a local theater and arts collective and community if you'd like. And if you have your own answers to today's game of Glad to the Bone, you can tweet them at me, at Josh Gondelman. Be judicious if you're going to tweet at Linda. You know, tweet whatever at me. I don't, I, I deserve it. Well, that's all the Make My Day for today. Thank you once again for listening. Make My Day is a Radio Point production produced by Houston Snyder and Naomi Steinberg, executive produced by Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell. If you like the show, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. And it's a huge help to the show if you have a second to rate and review it as highly as your conscience allows. We'll be back next week. Until then, have several nice days.